Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcasts with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started today. Suarez puts this one to left field. Breaks it to the stands. Sakala, Sakala, Sakala. Hey, Eugenio Suarez with his 12th home run. And that's number 28 against the Cubs. He drills this team. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a special edition of Late Night Reds Talk. We are doing this on our YouTube channel. I know we normally do this on Locker Room, but... We had a special guest, so we had to make this work, and we got a really cool, exciting thing talking some Reds with some major with some major baseball talent today, obviously. And let's go ahead and introduce our panel, of course. Uh, my name being Tim Daniel, uh, my partners in crime, as always. First off, my man from Red Lake Nation, Mr. Nick Kirby. How are you, bud? I'm good. Good. It's nice that we can do this, and I can see your face. We, I know this is yeah. this is weird. Yeah, absolutely. So cool. And also joining us on a very special day. 13 years ago today, this man made his major league debut. This is Carlos Guevara. Carlos, happy anniversary, man. Appreciate it, bud. Happy to How be here. Doing? I'm doing good. It's a good day. Awesome. We're, we're so pumped that you celebrated your anniversary with doing this with <laughs> us, man. I know you meant to. So oh, yeah. It's perfect. And, of course, joining us here, you can check him out on Fox. He has his own excellent podcast called the Flippin' Bats Pod. He's an MLB analyst. This is Mr. Ben Verlander. Ben, what's up, man? Thank you for taking the time to talk some Reds baseball of all teams with us. Of course, guys. Th- thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so before we get to, into it, man, talk a little bit about Flippin' Bats because you've had quite the run with it so far. I know you just had Rachel Luba on recently. You're getting your name out there pretty well with your pod. So well, what kind of, what's the dynamic of your pod for the people who haven't listened to it yet? Yeah, you know, I just think for for so long, baseball has kind of been like in the dark ages with how it's been portrayed and and represented. And it's just all about showcasing the the fun side of baseball. And, you know, the title of it is Flipping Bats. Um, you know, it's the game is so exciting these days with guys like Tatis and Acuna and, and Otani. And, you know, the list goes on. And it's just baseball is is different now than it was five years ago. But we still have the same sort of people talking about it, a bunch of 50, 60 year olds. And, and, you know, I just want to bring a fresh younger voice to, to baseball and, and showcase just, just how fun it is. We like it. And that's why we had you on because <laughs> we still, uh, we here in Cincinnati still fight the batting average gods. So <laughs> yeah. So talking about the dark ages, let's talk about Reds baseball. Let's talk about some great pitching, right? Yeah. Right? Uh so first off, kind of interview, get your curiosity, because we know this team is definitely, depending who you're talking to, they're either where they people thought they were or they've completely underperformed. Um, obviously, you know, you have major guys out of the lineup on injury, Lovato, Moustakis, Senzel, they battle injuries all year. Um, Sonny Gray was out to start the year. Michael Lorenzen's out. Luis Castillo's obviously struggled, and the bullpen has had a revolving door. 
Um, from you, you know, where does this team performing so far to where you thought they would be? Yeah, I'm on the uh, I'm on the they're underperforming train. Um, I, I think this team is really talented. I think they have a great offense, and you know it, it hurts when it hurts when you lose. Obviously, the reigning Cy Young Award winner. So um, I didn't think you know that they would be an elite team by any means. But I actually thought they had a chance to to compete in in this division. And and look, there I, I don't think they don't by any means, but I certainly think they're, they're underperforming. I mean, you get guys like Winker and Castellanos that are having the years they're having, you would hope uh, that they're in a little bit better position than they are right now. Yeah, I completely agree. And you know, obviously you go like, like we talked about. So did you ever really curious in your time in the Tigers or did you cross brush shoulders with Castellanos ever? Uh, yeah, so I I played on the same team with Nick for a couple of years when when he was with the big league team, and then when I played in some uh, big league spring training games. Um, so yeah, yeah, I definitely I know Nick uh, quite a little bit. Yeah. What is your reaction to this monster season he's had so far? <laughs> I, I'm not surprised. Um, I, I being around Nick for so long I know how much he works at his craft and he's just a freak um the guy rakes and and it's impressive to watch him hit it's impressive to see him and and the batting cages putting in the work that he does and and I'm happy to see him having the success he is on the field I mean the guy's hitting 350 in the big leagues and that just that just doesn't happen so um, I, I'm happy for him. And, and that was kind of, that's kind of been my thing with Nick is he always rakes and he's not great in the outfield, but as long as you hit 300 or 350, like he's doing, you're always going to have a spot. Guys, you want to jump in with anything? Um, ben, what do you think the Reds should, should be looking to do the rest of the season? Do you think this is a team that, that, um, if they can get a couple games closer, should be buyers. Do you think they should be looking to be sellers? What's your What's your take on on what the Reds should do from a national perspective? I, I think we're going to learn a lot about that in the next month. You know, they have a bunch of very talented pieces, um, but they also can win. So if they can turn it around and get to 500 or a little better, it's going to be hard to start selling off guys. And then, and then I think about Castellanos, for instance, like even if they don't start playing better, he's having an MVP caliber year and it's tough for an organization to just trade away a guy that could potentially win, win MVP that's on your team. So um, I, I definitely think in the next month, we'll learn a lot about the direction that this team wants to go and will go. Yeah. The Reds have, have the 10 of their next, 13 games are against the Cardinals and Brewers. So, I mean, that should give us some some direction. I mean, I'm sure they'll go, you know, six and five. <laughs> yeah, but if it's they, you know, to your, point, to your point, if they go, you know, 10 and one or nine and two, then that immediately puts them back towards the top of this division, at least within reach. And then you're buyers. And next thing you know, you're getting, you know, it's not a secret. Luis Castillo has not been having the year that I think he's capable of. And I think most people think he's capable of, but he's certainly a piece that if they go 
one in 10 in those games that I, I think this team could look drastically different. And I think he's probably the first to go. I think Luis Castillo probably has a lot bigger market than most Reds fans would think right now. Yes, I agree. A lot of teams would uh, like his services. I agree. So would you look at a guy like, you know, we've kind of talked a little bit a few weeks ago about Tucker Barnhart. Um, obviously, he's had a really good hitting year. Um, we know how good he is behind the plate. And you're starting to see, you know, Tyler Stevenson, who's although Alvado's out playing first base, um, you know, kind of the guy they have to have as their catch of the future. Is he someone you could potentially see like teams are going to be looking at? Because we know he has an option at the end of the, at this end of this year for about, what, 7.5. Um, and so we don't necessarily expect that they'll be picking that up with Stevenson kind of in, uh, in the waiting. But what do you kind of see for like a, what could they could possibly be for a Tucker Barnhart? Definitely a, the better he plays, the better it is for the Reds, whether it's because they're winning games and get back in this division or teams looking to, to buy at the, at the deadline, which absolutely anybody's going to want to pick up a guy like that. So um, I definitely think if they continue on this path, I mean, what, they're seven, seven games out of first place right now. Um, so if it, you know, if we get another month into the season and they're not, and they're still five plus games out of first, I think they become, I think they become sellers and he's, he's certainly on that list, but it, it really is great to see him having the year that he's playing. And it's going to be an interesting situation when, you know, when, when Vado's back, I don't know exactly how long he's out for. Um, but when he comes back, what, what do you do back there? You know, do you, do you play the, the young guy that you expect to be the future or do you play the guy that's hot right now and, and playing great baseball? Well, Votto's in Louisville tonight rehabbing. Uh, we were talking about before we came on here. He's, he's wearing number 47 tonight, which is very weird. 47, but he's, you know, that's, that's fitting for him, honestly. <laughs> that's a lefty reliever number right there. 47. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. That was a Cueto number. We can we can give some credit there. So, yeah, and then obviously, you know, we've talked about these guys overperforming, underperforming this and that. You know, obviously one name who's kind of popped up is Eugenio Suarez, um, another former Tiger prospect. And yeah, I was close with Suarez. I, I like him a lot. He's uh, we my first uh, my first season in the in the off season. We were, I was down there in instructional league, and and him and I were together, and I love that guy. He's he's a great guy. So you've seen him play shortstop like before the big leagues. <laughs> yes. I, yeah. When I was, when I was in instructional league with him, he was playing shortstop. Yeah. Was it like this? Um, it was, it was, I would say he was a good fielder, but there was often times where he would come up to throw to first and you, it was 50, 50 where it was going. Um, and then, you know, and then he moved over to third and, and became, better so look i i he's not i don't think he's a he's cut out to be a, a big league shortstop i think he does fit better over at third base but you got to do what you got to do but i do know the guy rakes and um it's it was frustrating to see him get off to the start that he did because um we all know what what type of hitter he can be he's an all-star caliber uh player and and he didn't start off the year that way i can tell you especially not, not necessarily to speak for Nick and Carlos, but we are guys who have been campaigning that it's going to it's gonna turn around. And, you know, we've seen him go in the leadoff spot the last couple of days, actually, and he's kind of hit pretty well in the leadoff spot. Um, I don't know if that's a 
you know, just putting a Band-Aid on a wound or something that can really fix what's going on with having Winker and Castellanos behind you. But it's been fun to see. It's been nice to see him kind of get a pep in his step again. Yeah. That, yeah, I think – Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I think it's definitely – you have – it's just like a, a change, you know. Like, I remember when I was my, – my junior year in college, um, you know, my – my head coach came up to me and was like, Hey, you're going to hit leadoff. And I was like, I've never hit leadoff before. Um, he was like, well, I, you know, I want you there. Um, I think we need you there. And next thing I know, things just take off. And, and baseball is such a mental game that it doesn't, there's really no rhyme or reason to why you have success or to why you fail. It's so mental. So if you stick him in the leadoff spot and he plays well, just run with it, you know? Yeah. I think that's a good point. It kind of reminds me of last year, whenever, you know, whenever Joey got his benching, and, you know, me knowing Joey, like, through and through, I know to him, he, you know, he didn't care. He knew that him sitting four or five games wasn't going to make a difference. He knew he was there. And when he came back, he just so happened to hit. But that kind of speaks back to the same point that Ben was talking about. It's just, just one little thing that kind of gives you a different mindset, puts you in the right place. And, you know, that could be the same case with Eugenio right now. I mean, I don't think he changed his approach that he started batting leadoff, but just something, something a little bit different. And now he's kind of cooking a little bit. Yeah. Since the uh, start of 2019, MLB leaders in home runs, Ayuane Suarez, Pete Alonso, 76. Next is Acuna, Acuna at 72 and Trout at 70. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't think third of a season's enough to, to give up on, on sports. Now the defense at shortstop, yeah, we, we said that on the, the first day. Um, but but there's no reason to give up on his bat. He's just he's yeah, I know. Like I've you know, God bless Nick's Twitter mentions because he's pretty active with like Reds fan base. And I think every time Swore has an error, I think his Twitter mentions say Jose Garcia, Jose Garcia, Jose Garcia, Jose Garcia. <laughs> That's not his name anymore. <laughs> Is it not? No, he changed, he changed his, his name. name. Did I miss this? Yeah. What? Don't, don't get don't get married and go to Disney World, man. You, I guess it's an so. Avon Red's top prospect changed his name. I don't know, Carlos. You're gonna have to say it. I, I I'm not gonna butcher it. I don't even remember. I don't remember what it Starts was. with B. That's that's all I know. Yeah. <laughs> is this like? Is it like that summer when like Mike Stanton was all of a sudden John Carlos Stanton? Is that what this is? I think well, it's the same. I kind of made a joke about it and somebody sent me something on Twitter, uh, but I think it was because his mom passed away. That's why he was out a couple okay. of games and he's decided to take her last name. Oh, okay. that's cool. I can yeah. get with that. Yeah. Yeah. They don't even have a pronunciation. It's, um, it's uh, B-A-R-R-E-R-O. Oh, Barrero. Yeah, or, or Barrero. <laughs> <laughs> the Americanized way to say it. Yes. Yes. Um, Ben, out of curiosity, to kind of get your question, for someone who kind of covers Major League Baseball on a national landscape, um, talking about these red shortstop issues, you know, the name Trevor Story comes up a lot. We have all been very open on, like, don't hold your breath on that. While we do expect the Rockies will be selling because they're the worst road team apparently in baseball history right now, um, we don't necessarily expect Trevor Story to be the name. Is there any maybe under-the-radar names you can see the Reds trying to acquire at shortstop to kind of try to fix that for the time being yeah I don't think as I don't think as Reds fans you should want Trevor Story I think he's going to go somewhere that um 
that's going to have to give up a little bit to get him. And that is ready to win this year. And I don't think, you know, I don't think the Reds are a shortstop away from being successful and making the world series. Um, I think it's a little more than that. And so I don't think you give up some prospects to get them. Um, but you know, some pieces that I would have thought would have been a fit. And I actually thought about this before the trade to the Brewers happened was Adamas. I, I think, um, him going to short and, and playing with the Reds is just a perfect fit. And I know him and, and Suarez know each other. And I think having them at short and on third would have been uh, a good fit. But, you know, obviously that's not going to happen now. But uh, I don't know what the answers are to their their shortstop issues. But I don't think it's, it's Suarez. <laughs> <laughs> I think we would all agree with that. Yeah, we were big on Willie Thomas this uh, this off season, and I, I I can't believe the Brewers got him for as little as they gave up. That you know there must be something that 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 I'm missing on on Adamas. You know, I'm player. sure there is because you never never second guess whatever the Tampa Bay Rays do right. in a trade. So I just don't say I don't see it because we don't, but they do, and it'll turn out to be an All Star. I can tell you that. Don't miss often. Yeah, I'm, no. I'm guessing Wander Franco is a lot closer than they're putting on to being major league ready. Yeah, but you know their shortstop now has come up and played well, and yeah. you know everybody was saying Wander Franco is about to come up. They got rid of Adamas, and then they have this other guy that comes up and is playing great at the big league level. And it's like they just have prospects for days, it seems. And apparently, it's because people just keep making trades with them that they don't think are any good, and then it turns out they're great. <laughs> they kind of have that like before the Kyrie Irving, Danny Ainge Celtics scene going. I know it's a weird day to use this example of the Celtics news. Um, we're like, anytime the Celtics made a trade for a guy, you were like, okay, what, what do they know that we don't? Yep, 100%. That same feel. I feel like when you guys, when you were in the Tigers organization, you guys were kind of like that too, though. Yeah, but kind of like in the wrong direction. Like I remember, <laughs> you know, they made that trade for, um, it was actually Suarez and we got, Alfredo Simon or Simone, whatever oh, yeah. it is back. And it's the bloated like corpse of Alfredo Simone. Right. And then it's like, what, why, why did we just do this? Now we have a pitcher that, you know, was had a little bit of success and isn't the, isn't near that pitcher anymore. So kind of curious your thoughts here. Cause, and I know, so Carlos put in context, Carlos is very close to Joey Vada from their time in the Reds organization together. So we kind of talk a lot about Joey being big fans, obviously. And, you were in the Tigers organization with Miguel Cabrera. And obviously, you know, he's aged and we've seen Joey kind of age full. We're seeing Joey hit the ball hard. And, you know, Cabrera's Miggy's Miggy. He's an all-time great. Do you remember like kind of there's that like early 2000s where those guys were compared to each other a lot as far as like their skill set and their talent levels? Yeah, it, it you know, it's tough to watch these days, especially, you know, like Votto still, you watch him and he's still – productive and hitting balls hard and and not that Miggy's not he's just like I grew up watching Miggy I grew up with with my brother on the team and it was Justin and Miggy and I was you know in awe of him and and still am and to watch um you know to watch him now it's just it's tough to watch and it's tough to watch him it's tough to same with with Pujols you know like I grew up falling in love with baseball watching Albert do what he was doing he's one of the best of all time and to watch him now um you know he's still gets hits but 
he's struggling around the bases. He struggles at first. It's, it's tough to watch. Uh, it's tough to watch your childhood heroes turn into uh, guys that are just, just hanging on by a limb. Yeah. My all time favorite player is Ken Griffey Jr. So I, I totally get that. <laughs> yeah. um, ben, um, obviously the Reds would be your favorite to win the division this year, but let's put them aside. Um, of the, and I'm assuming you're going to put away the Pirates as well. Of the other three teams, who do you who do you think is the favorite of the other three? You know, I think this division has turned out to really surprise some people. Um, I, I think when when the Cardinals acquired Arenado, it was kind of up. Oh, that's the one thing that's going to put them over the top, and they're going to win the division. And then the Brewers come, and I was high on the Brewers coming into the season. And then you look at them, and they any team that has a Woodruff and Burns at the top of the rotation is going to be really good. I mean, that, that could potentially be the best one to punch in all of baseball. And now you have the Cubs coming out of nowhere, playing incredible baseball. And you have a bunch of guys with chips on their shoulder saying, look, we're the core of this Cubs team. We don't, you know, why would you trade us away? And, and Brian's having an MVP type year. Um, but I, I think, I think when I look at it, I, I still think the, the Cardinals, after acquiring Arenado are, are the team to beat. And with a guy like Jack Flaherty at the top of that rotation, um, I think they're built to win. And whatever it is they do there, they just have a culture that's built to win games. But I'll tell you, I, I love what the, what the Cubs are doing there. And um, since you said Reds aside, if I, had to, if I had to root for somebody in that division, I'm rooting for the Cubs because they're still really exciting to watch. And it's awesome seeing Javi Baez uh, doing what he's doing this year and, and becoming that player that I think we all knew he was. He just would, would go through some some struggles, but um, he's super exciting to watch, and the rest of the Cubs team is as well. I think for the for the sake of the Reds, if the Reds aren't aren't going to make the playoffs this year, I think you want to root for the Cubs, as, as painful as that might be, because you want them to get nothing for for their their stars. You know, you don't want them to. And if you're not going anywhere, you don't want them to be able to, to trade and get more pieces and and um, um, it'll be set up better down the road. So I guess yeah. the Cubs is <laughs> dirty, but, you know. R.I.P. to your mentions, Nick. <laughs> yeah. Nick's a Cubs fan. <laughs> What's that, like, handshake meme where it's like, it'll be like the Reds, the Cubs, and it's like, got nothing what? for a role to Chapman? <laughs> <laughs> as he's back with the Yankees and just being ridiculously dominant still. Uh, so kind of get your thoughts here, Ben. I don't know if, how much you're following as far as the minor leagues. I'm sure you're probably keen, keeping a keen eye on Chattanooga to see what Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo are doing. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, those guys are exciting, though. I, I, I love watching those guys and, and seeing I, – I do keep up with them. I don't – I can't say I watch all their starts, but I do definitely keep up with them. Is there something like, you know, I'm asking, this is a question you and Carlos can both answer because you guys have been in minor league systems. You've seen this, you've seen these guys come up. You know, when you see a guy like that in double A, and Carlos has kind of made the mention of like, if you can play in double A, you can play in the majors. And it's something like he, I, I always use in arguments now. So thank you for that, my friend. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, what is kind of like the track you do on a guy? I know it's different for every prospect, but like, you know, here when we have Jeff Hoffman in our rotation, Obviously, Reds fans are saying, well, why can't Hunter Green pitch? He's got to be better than them now. Like, what, what is the trajectory we do for the for guys in that situation? Well, you know, it's, it's weird in baseball as a whole what they do with their prospects. And it's because the system as a whole 
is screwed up. You know, you have guys that are talented enough to come up and play right now, but, you know, for fear of not starting their, their, you know, their time too early for fear of being able to keep them for an extra year, you see guys not get caught up when they should. And and that's frustrating to see. Um, But I think, you know, with a team that uh, I, I look at the Tigers, for instance, you know, they, haven't been good for a few years now and, and started calling up guys like Casey Mize and, and Scooble and, and all these guys. And now they're starting to have success. So sometimes when guys are dominating at the minor league level, I, and I think you just call them up and, and, you know, get them that experience. So when your team is good and when your team is ready to compete and you do put those pieces around them, they're already there. And it's not like, a, all right, let's throw these guys into a fire right in the middle of a playoff race. I, I actually like doing it like the Tigers have done. And, you, and I look at a guy like Mize, who looks to be a star and, and had a sub two ERA in, in May and um, looks to be turning into a stud. And when the Tigers do add pieces around him in a couple years, he's already going to be there and he's already going to be um, successful in the big league. So that's what I like saying, as opposed to guys, waiting so they don't start time clocks too soon, which I think sucks for everybody involved. Yeah, we went through that with Mike Leak in 2010. Remember that whole shindig when he came up before he even played in the minors? He's a, oh, rare, yeah. he's a rare breed, though. I, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was pretty terrific. Yeah, just, just thinking of a rotation of Castillo, Gray, Mally, Green, Lodolo. I mean, that could be as soon as next year. So, you know, I, I certainly hope the Reds brass, is, you know, we do unfortunately get into a selling time, which I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm certainly not there yet, but if we do, I, I hope they're, they're thinking about next year and, and the potential that this team would really have a, um, um, a really, really good one through five rotation. Yep. I agree. So, so Ben, to put in context, Nick is like, don't give up, Mr. Don't give up on the Reds. Like he will fight to the end. And I did not I give up it. last year. I did not give up last year. No, you, didn't. <laughs> you didn't. Not at one bit. Um, get off once in like 20 years. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, we get it every so often. Um, kind of, so where do you kind of look at the rest? Like, you know, Nick mentioned the central. Um, is there anything else, you know, how sort of the Pirates going to start selling players? Do you wonder if they have anything to sell? Dude, I, I don't know. The Pirates are so frustrating i couldn't imagine being a fan of the pirates because it's clear they aren't they're not about winning it's clear that they they don't want to win almost it's it's so frustrating to watch the pirates organization go about it but i will tell you one thing that every baseball fan should be uh, excited about is cabrian hayes and unfortunately uh first series of the year the guy goes down but he was my pick to win rookie of the year in the national league and look that guy's going to be a stud in the future but who you know they'll probably screw that up too i certainly will understand you didn't say jonathan india it's not like there's any other national league guys who could potentially win it right now oh stevenson (laughs) Stevenson. yeah yeah those two are the no one else no nico horners none of those guys they're they're out yeah. Is Nico Horner still a rookie? Is he? I think he might still be. I mean, he came up in 2000. He might be like the third year rookie. Is that possible? <laughs> they didn't get enough. He came up for like two weeks at the end of 2019 when everyone was hurt on the Cubs. That's right. He did, didn't he? 
Like, like he came like from like double A, like he was not even close to ready. Just like they were, they were desperate. <laughs> yeah. Um, guys, anything you want to touch on before we close up shop here? Any questions you might want to ask her? Well, I'm good. Yeah. Well, Ben, I thank you so much for giving us a few minutes of your time today, man, to kind of talk a little Reds baseball with us. Um, before we get out of here, before we let you sign off, we'll kind of give you a chance to shout out your pod, your social media, anywhere people can keep up with you. Uh, by all means, man, the floor is yours. Yeah, well, first off, thanks, thanks for having me on, guys. It's, it's been a blast, and I always find myself talking about the Reds for because, in my mind, they're always ready to compete. So, I, I you know, and they're exciting. Uh, you know, w- with everything going on earlier in the year, um, they were a blast to watch. So thank you for, for having me on and, and I appreciate it. And yeah, my, my podcast is called Flippin' Bats. Uh, it's available anywhere you get your podcast. And it also has uh, social handles that, you know, we uh, on Twitter, Instagram, uh, the episode is video also that comes out on YouTube. So uh, it's been a blast. And, and I've had uh, I just had Wade Miley on recently uh fresh off his no hitter so that was fun to have him on um had some awesome guests uh you know started with tyler glass now i've had bernie williams i've had uh jeff mcneil reese hoskins uh have walker bueller coming on next week so it's been a blast um and i'm excited to see where it goes for sure when's your brother coming on i feel like that would be guest one right yeah i don't know man i've always very much so um wanted to create my own path for myself and sure. wanted to be successful in my own right and uh look i i love him uh more than anything i um and i'm super proud of him but i i want to i want to build this thing because of me and it's successful because of me and then have have him on at some point for sure that would be awesome i'm sure with the way my interview probably went 25 minutes being that it went very fast with wade right yeah perfect well ben thanks again man we definitely appreciate it and we'll be right back we'll talk about what's coming up with the week for the ball club we just wrapped up with ben verlander that was a lot of fun to have him on um somehow we have had this podcast now i think 12 episodes we've had two really awesome national writers come and hang with us so we're doing something right i don't know what it is necessarily but we're getting our name out there somehow um, so let's kind of take some time, guys, and talk about the current state of the ball club because things are rough. Um, when I texted you guys when I landed, my flight landed back from my honeymoon, the first thing Nick said to me was, glad you're back, try to fix the Reds. And I said, I was score watching while I was gone, but I didn't see any games, so I, could, I didn't know what all was going on. But um, yeah, so obviously today rained out for reopening day. You know, the last game we have, they lose by two touchdowns to the Phillies. How many games now have they given up nine or more runs? I feel like it's too many. Um, but I have it. I have it right here. They have done, <laughs> they have given up ten or more runs. Seven. 19, 17, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10. Like not even just like ten. Like. Yikes. Yeah, because I remember too much that giant that afternoon Giants game in the four game sweep when they just gave them yeah the the one Cueto started against us. Um, but, you know, obviously, the hitting side of it, you know what you're getting from Winker and Castellanos. Um, and then, you know, like we talked about, Suarez is definitely getting, his, getting some pep back in his step at the plate. But it seems like things are just kind of on the offensive side. We know Senzel's going to be out for a little while. Kind of a wait and see until you get everyone back. So I don't know where I'm at. I'm still cautiously optimistic about the offensive side. We know they can hit. We know they can score, especially when they're healthy. 
Um, it's just kind of, you know, like we've been saying all year, it's waiting for Luis Castillo to figure it out and waiting for to find out the, you know, group of guys in the bullpen you can trust. And I feel like we're still figuring all of that out very much so. Yeah, I mean, they're four and four in their last eight. I mean, it's, it feels worse than I think it is right now, right, probably. Right. You know, I mean, the Reds have had one great week, two really, really terrible weeks, and the rest has been fine. You know, it's just, you know, that that second bad week, you know, where they got swept by the Giants, um, lost two out of three of the Brewers. I mean, that's the difference of, of being right in the race and not right now. So, I don't know. I mean – Look, Flaherty just – Flaherty's hurt. No one knows how long he's going to be out. That Arnold's rotation, it wasn't great before he was out. So, you know, that could be a break for the Reds. I, I really – like, yeah, the Cubs will look great right now. But that rotation, I mean, how is that going to hold up all, all summer? I mean, that is not a good rotation. I mean, I, the Pirates might have as good of rotation. I mean, not good. So – you know, I mean, the Brewers, they have the great rotation, but their line stinks. So, I don't know. It's kind of one of these things, you know, just just hang around. The Reds are, like I said, you know, we were talking with Ben, plenty of opportunities. I mean, you got 10 games coming up in the next two weeks against the, the Cardinals and Brewers. I mean, you know, you go seven and three in that, boom, you're you're right in the race. I'm not worried about how many games the Cubs the Reds are behind the Cubs. I'm worried about how many games are behind the Cardinals and Brewers. I don't believe it. Dodgers were the sixth spot in the in the first inning. That's nice. Yeah, so the Reds would get to within five and a half of the Cardinals, and they're playing four games against them. So if you do the math, I mean, you know, yeah, you know, you you win three or four, that you pick up two games, you're um, you're three and a half behind them. You know, so there a lot of games left, a lot of division games left. Um, I still I look at that Reds rotation, and I go, you know, they get you know the the they get Votto and Mustakas back. I mean, that's a rotation that can put you on a win streak, especially when you're playing teams that, that aren't going to have as good pitching. The bullpen's definitely the, the real concerning thing, I think, right now. Yeah. and I, There's you know, two options right now. I mean, maybe yeah, yeah. Doolittle. I mean, two and a half, I don't know. I mean, that's – they're not blowing games. They're not blowing games with leads. Um, right, right. I mean, they're – you know, when they're really bad, they're really bad. I mean – if you know, and I know everyone's why isn't David Bell using TJ Antone more? Man, you're saving him because you can't afford to lose these games that you're supposed to win. The games that you have a two run lead, you can't lose those games, you don't have the margin for error. So, whew, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, TJ Antone can't pitch four innings a game. I don't know if Reds fans understand this or not. It just it doesn't work out of the you know, whether a starter or a reliever it doesn't work. And I honestly like I listened a little bit to what you guys talked about last week. You know, Carlos made the point of like the season's going the way it is at the moment where things start to feel like it's going downhill. Like you got it, you know, it's only a matter of time for he's in the rotation. And I agree with that, completely agree with that. But it's like once he goes to the rotation, what does happen to your bullpen? We've talked yeah. about this all season. Like, what are you putting in there? Because like Michael Feliz was a nice pickup for how little you got for him. He's had some struggling outings, obviously, but you know, is this something where we expect, like, well, when Michael Lorenzo comes back, do we ease him in, like, the way the A's are doing with Jesus Lazardo right now, where he's pitching out of the bullpen? Different story, though, because, you know, the A's are awesome. But, you know, how – what do people want? What do we expect? This like, how do we put this back together? I just – I don't know. I don't understand. That bullpen, man, it's – like, I mean, CNO Perez is the only guy who keeps getting called up and 
sit back down, it seems like. Like where what's what's there in triple A? Like there's gotta Wasteland. be some... Wasteland. Oh my god, my <laughs> like I don't know. It's I'm such a roller coaster on the bullpen. Oh yeah, Amir's doing great. He's our third best option. Oh shit, Amir ain't worth a right now. Like, I mean, it's like what do you do with Antel? Nobody knows. There's no answer for it. I just, I just you know, and, and, you know, too, with Antone is, okay, so let's, if the Reds were completely out of it, I would say, you know, screw the bullpen, they can lose every game, put Antone in the rotation, see what he's got. But who's getting bumped out of the rotation when <coughs> Green and Lodolo come up? Right. You can't bump Luis Castillo out of the rotation. You can't bump Sonny Gray out of the rotation. You can't bump Tyler Malley out of the rotation. Green Lodola, there's five. You know, you have Gutierrez and, and Santion. I mean, I guess you could try to make them relievers, but I mean, you have, I feel, seven quality starting pitching options over the next, through next year, into next year. I don't know. I mean, Anton's third on the Reds and, and wins above replacement among pitchers. And he's ahead of Sonny Gray right now. So they are still getting value out of him. Um, it might not you know, be as sexy as people want, but I mean, he's still the third most valuable, you know, pitcher. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to quote my good buddy who always says, you can't have enough quality good players. So you can't have enough quality good starting pitchers, Nick. <laughs> well, you can't, but you also can't have enough good quality relievers either. So, I mean, I, yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess relievers are, are more, you know, easier to. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the right decision what? is. Usually I feel like I have a strong gut opinion, whether it's right or wrong. Usually I have some like strong feeling. I don't, I don't have a strong feeling on him. I don't know what, I don't, I don't know what the right move is. So they are pitching in multiple innings though. That, that's, it's a lot different than like a Rolls Chapman. You know, everyone wants to go, oh, the Reds wasted Rolls Chapman. Rolls Chapman was pitching the ninth inning, three nothing games a lot of times. Like This is the totally different situation, yeah. you know. Um, so I feel like you have to at least look at it from that perspective whether you like it or not i mean if, if he starts if they try to move him to the rotation now so say he'd become a legit starter in a month so from a month from now and he pitches we'll say above average slightly above average is he would he be worth more with that limited amount of time left than what he is being a reliever from here on out being a you know, a borderline all-star? I don't know. And I know we've talked about this before. His numbers are not going to be as good as a starting pitcher. Like his ERA is going to go up. You know, it's, I mean, unless he's Jacob DeGrom, which I don't think he is. I mean, I think he's really, really good, but his numbers are going to go up. So that value scale, well, yeah, he's going to be pitching more innings. Those innings aren't going to be as, as a little kind of like I can like use my hands for this. This is kind of different. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. You, know I, you know what I mean? Like the. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's. I, I don't know. I don't either, man. It's just a hard thing to figure. I'm like, I get it. He's exciting, and when he comes in a game, like it's you feel comfortable when he's in a game, and you know, like, and I kind of mentioned the last episode I we did I did before I left is like, you know, people are like, well, look what he did in Colorado, and it's like, yeah. You know, he got the outs, but Shogo Akiyama maybe made the catch of the year until Castellanos' catch Monday in Philly. 
and they turned the great one of the greatest double plays I've ever seen to win the next the game the next day. So it's like, you know, he's been awesome, but he's also gotten probably the defensive support Luis Castillo hasn't gotten this year. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. Because um, I feel like when you look at the, you know, like, and I know I joke with you, Nick, but like I'm with you. Like when you look at this team, like there aren't the bullpen's obviously a big hole. Trying to figure out like where you know the ups and downs of the rotation. I don't think Sonny Gray is as bad as his four and two thirds outing yesterday by any means. I think those games just happened because he just had a game the other night where he was really spectacular. Wade Miley was really good yesterday, where he was like getting up at the pitch count. I mean on Monday and just got through like that sixth inning really well. Um, you know, obviously the corner outfielders, you know, you're set there. And I really feel comfortable about, you know, if Joey's in triple A, like it can't imagine he's not too far away from being up. I know, you know, it's probably hard to catch right now with a broken finger, but you know, if he feels comfortable swinging the bat, I think the Reds, that's all the Reds probably care about at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I've got a feeling he won't be there very long. Yeah, I, I, They had said the best case scenario was St. Louis, but I feel like with the rain out, I, I don't, and why would you make him fly to St. Louis? They're, they're home for Milwaukee, right? Yeah. They're home for Milwaukee and Colorado next week. Yeah, it seems like just just hold off, wait for the the homestand, you know, and be at home and then come back. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, necessarily, you know, need to rush him, you know. Right, you know, I'd rather have him for you know July, August, September than make sure we have him before they go to San Diego in two weeks. If you know they don't need him just yet. Um, you know, next, you know, you've got the Rockies coming up next weekend who are literally, like I joked about, have like are on pace to be the worst road team in Major League history. Um, so that's that's something you have to feel confident about. Um, you know, like, but other than that, June's pretty brutal schedule wise. Uh, you know, you've got these the St. Louis series, you've got Milwaukee, you go to San Diego, uh, you got two games with Minnesota who are very, very much underperforming. I think they're probably getting closer and closer to being sellers as well. And then you come home then the month with the Braves and the Padres and the Braves have been very up and down minus Acuna. So, you know, it's a chance where they had a rough May and, but the season's not over. They definitely could make something happen here. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't, I, mean, I think the schedules, I, I think it's probably average the next up until like the all-star break. Um, I, I don't, I mean, the four games against the Padres are obviously there's, Seven games total against the Padres for the All-Star break. Those are the the most concerning. But Atlanta's pitching rotation is really, really bad right now. They got everyone hurt. Um, you know, Colorado on the road, um, and then Milwaukee and St. Louis. You know, when we came into the season, we thought the the Cardinals, the Brewers, the Cubs, the Reds. We thought they were all close to 500 teams. Those teams are all well above 500 right now. You know, is this where where they kind of come back to? Earth? Again, the Cardinals without Flaherty, that's, uh, um, you know, they're definitely a lot um, a lot less scary, I guess. And I don't know. The Cardinals bullpen, they're, the Cardinals bullpen, I think, is getting all the luck that the Reds isn't. They're walking, yeah. ev- they're walking everyone. Um, and, and, you know, it's just how long does that, you know, that kind of stuff hold up? And I don't know. It's going to just be one of these really, really weird seasons where there's uh, – Every team in the division is flawed, and we don't know how all these pitchers are going to hold up this year with you know the the sixty game season last year. I just think there's 
there's so many unknowns. If the Reds can just get, you know, inch a couple games closer and, and hang around, you know, um, um, I think they'll, they'll, they'll always have a chance. They can just get a little. Well, I mean, you kind of talked about the Cardinals and the luck and everything like that. Um, Cody Bellinger just hit a grand slam to make an 11 Oh, my goodness. Heading. So, 11 to 1. Yeah. It should count yeah, I mean, two losses. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the Reds are, are going to be um, – Five and a half behind the five and a half behind the Cardinals, with a four-game series in front of them. And I think any reasonable person would say the Cardinals, maybe the Brewers are the favorites, even though the Cubs are in first. So I mean, that's that's the target, man. You you get closer to the Cardinals, and uh, um, you're gonna make this an interesting summer. Which honestly, I think most of us probably right now would sign me up for an interesting summer. Sign me up for the Reds being in it in September. Yeah, because once the Lakers get eliminated in the next couple of days, I need something. So LeBron's not losing at home in Game Six, and he's not losing Game Seven. Come on, Tim. <laughs> it, it, it does this so many times. Oh, this is it. This is the end. And I, I watched. I watched LeBron look completely dead against the Pacers and the Celtics. And just... If they lose, I'm. I'm not getting on Twitter. <laughs> I'm definitely blocking Joey on my text message contact. Uh. Let's talk real quick. Um, I want to get into a couple more things before we get out of here. We're talking about Suarez. We're talking about Suarez. Oh, yeah, that's that. And I was going to talk about Suarez and Gutierrez. I want to talk about those two. Too excited. Too excited. Yes. So, Nick, yes, please, by all means, I know you've been waiting all year for some happy and handy Suarez stuff. So, we know we talked about we talked about it earlier. He got moved to the to the uh, top of the order. His approach hasn't necessarily changed whatsoever, um, and things are working out for him so far. So it's been awesome to see, and I'm really happy to see him kind of getting that swing back a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, I tweeted out. I don't, I don't think the 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 move to the leadoff was the magical fix. I think it's just David Bell showing faith in a guy that's been good. You know, players that have been good for year after year after year don't typically just completely fall off a cliff at once. Sometimes it happens, but it's, it's not very often. Usually there's some sort of decline there. Um, is Suarez the, the 900 OPS guy? I don't think so. But I, I think Suarez is still a well above average hitter. He's going to hit a lot of home runs. He's still hitting home runs. Um, and and the, the, the thing that I've been most encouraged with has been his plate discipline, you know, I don't know if that's the leadoff spot or if that's just um, he's also maybe getting a little bit more respected because, you know, when, when, when you see your, your teammate, you know, give up a, um, a ball hit onto the, the street in Chicago, you're going to pitch him a little different, you know? Yeah. So I, I think some of that can just be, you know, chalked up to, okay, he's, he's more of a threat. Now we have to pitch him a little more carefully. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's still going to be a good player. Um, um not gonna, I don't think he's going to be 2019 scores, but the Reds don't need 2019 scores. No. They need uh, 2020 Suarez af- after the first three weeks of the season. Yeah, I agree. I think, too, you know, like we talked about this whole, you know, quite a bit this episode is when these guys start coming back from their injuries, I think that helps the team out a lot, too. Look at Nick with the Corona seltzer tonight. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Living. This is- this is fun seeing your guys' faces when we record. It's really fun. I, I wish I was in my baseball room right now. So this I'm still putting my pod studio together, as you can see behind me. 
Um, I still have my Married classic, space, I still have my classic Space Jam figurines back that there. Place. That's what I thought it was. Yeah, my classic MJ Space Jam doll. Um, I cannot wait for my Space Jam 2 ones. So, yeah. Going back uh, to, to Suarez on seeing him like coming around, like the way he's taking pitches as a pitcher, I'm like, uh-oh. He's recognizing <laughs> stuff now. Like, it's coming. Get ready. Because, I mean, him, him spitting on balls, even some of the, the, you know, the called strikes that haven't been called strikes or that haven't been um, real strikes, you know, he's laying off of them. So it's, it's a really good sign. And, and if I was pitching and I would see that, I'd be like, okay, let's start, uh, start to nibble a little bit more. And then that's where younger pitchers start to make mistakes when they try to nibble. Yeah, you see with like the entire Reds bullpen. Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> when they, you know, when they're too cute, that's when they get burned. I mean, Garrett, if he throws the first pitch strike, he's almost done. At some point, you know, Castellanos is probably going to come down to earth a little bit, and you know you hope, you hope Suarez can. My headphones just died, so this is going to be pretty fun. <laughs> You not hear us? Yeah, I can hear you guys fine now. Okay. Yeah, it was while you were talking. All of a sudden, it just like went out. I was like, "Ah, shit!" You missed a really, really riveting, riveting conversation. Yeah. So actually, Carlos, you brought the point about like Suarez seeing pitches and things like that, and like you know, Nick brings up the point of like younger guys, and you when you get cute, it's when things get trouble. With what you're seeing from Nick Castellanos in this hit streak. How do you pitch this guy right now? Because you can't pound the strike zone because he's hitting everything in the strike zone right now. Um, I know he's not necessarily like, he's not reaching out of the strike zone either, which is pretty impressive. He's not like chasing balls in the dirt. He's just kind of making things happen with the bat. Like, how the hell do you pitch a guy like that in these circumstances? You can't walk him with Naquin on deck. No, you can't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm out. (laughs) You know, I had to get that in there. Um, I mean, you got to get ahead early. You got to get strike one. And then it's it's sliders away, it's split fingers away, it's your changeup away, just everything soft away, you know. But then if you're in Cincinnati, be careful going away. <laughs> just you gotta hope that first pitch doesn't end up yeah. in the seats. Yeah, you you gotta have confidence and and throw it, and you know if he hits it for a single, fine. But just try to keep away from the extra base hits, and. You know, you got to get ahead early on, on somebody who's hot. Yeah, I know that could be – that's a lot easier said than done. Um, let's talk a little bit quick about uh, Vladimir Gutierrez. Obviously made his debut last Friday and a spot start, and he's going to be pitching tomorrow now it looks like in the start of the St. Louis series after the rainout today. Five innings, you know, three strikeouts, gave up one run. They lose one nothing. Um, you know, obviously I understand, whether you know, it's his first major league start, but – Going back and seeing what I did, because, you know, I was out of town, so kind of, like, watched, like, the condensed game on my phone. I was really impressed with how much he wasn't afraid to throw strikes. I think, you know, you saw, like, he attacked, and he attacked quickly. I know, like I said, you know, he gave up one run, and, you know, his team didn't help, didn't get it, get him anything. We're over and wrote runners in score position for a bit. Um, but judging a guy, obviously, appearance one, you know, he definitely earned start two. What did you guys kind of take away from the start? Um, what I saw was just like she said. I mean, he's he's pumping the zone, throwing strikes. I mean, 
that's what you need out of, out of somebody like him that's, you know, just coming up as a call up, one, you know, number four, number five guy filling in, throw strikes. That's all that your manager right now is asking you to do. Throw strikes, let our defense, <laughs> let our defense work <laughs> and, you know, give us a chance, keep us in the game. That's, that's all he's got to do. Keep them in the game. I, I'd say any, any start by him the next couple of weeks is, you know, three runs or less, maybe four runs or less. I mean, I mean that, that'd be a quality start. I hate how quality starts are six innings, three runs. I'm like, that's giving up a run every other inning. But anyway, still, you know, three runs, five, six innings, that's, that's a hell of a start. Yeah, I mean, the win was really, really blowing in in his start. So, I mean, I, I don't want to get too crazy excited, but to his credit, he threw strikes. He, you know, what, whether that was intentional because the, the the wind was, you know, blowing in and they're like, hey, dude, pump the zone. Like, they can't hit you out of the ballpark. Well, they, they got one. But it, it's really, really, really hard. Um, yeah, credit him. And he, he showed a lot of confidence. Um Definitely, I mean, he definitely, you could definitely just see the upside over like those strikes. Cross, I'm, I'm interested on your take because I've never had a really strong take on this because I don't feel like I have any real opinion or knowledge on this. How do you feel about um, the Reds not skipping Gutierrez with the opportunity? And then we have an off day on Monday. They could have got Gray into the series against the, the, uh, the Brewers. Um, what do you think about that? And then that also then, you know, bumps Castillo back a day that he was supposed to be starting. Do you think that has any impact on either one of those guys? I mean, if anything, I think it's better for, for Luis, maybe. I mean, okay. I mean, Sonny is – he seems to be rolling, throwing well. I know his last outing wasn't his best, but he still had, you know, quality pitches, a lot of um, – some good innings out there. But yeah, I mean, I kind of I didn't look at it that way that he was he was going to miss the Brewers, so that kind of stinks. And I think now that now that you brought that up, Gray Gray, Gray misses the Cardinals. Gray could have they could have gone Castillo Mali or Castillo Mali Miley Gray if they skipped Gutierrez. Oh, okay, they got um, instead Gray is starting the first game against the Brewers. Okay, yeah, then definitely. I, I mean, I wish they would have done that, but I think that just kind of shows. You know, I'm guessing the pitching coach made the call on that on that on that one right there. And, and you know, it might it might also be more this season. Any chance you can get away with protecting your starters, giving them more rest, maybe that has something to do with. It. Maybe that's part of their plan. You know, maybe that's a strategic plan this year. You know, um, I mean, I mean, look, Gutierrez is going to pitch in both of these next two series going to pitch against the Cardinals going to pitch against the Brewers. Um, so you know, he's going to have big starts, but they'll have Gray and Castillo against the, the Brewers. Yeah. And I need a, I need a six inning, seven innings shutout ball from Castillo. I just I want to see it. And I want to go crazy on Twitter for it. Yeah. My Twitter fingers are ready. They're waiting. He's coming man. <laughs> he's coming. You know, the, the hard hit, contact has definitely been down the last couple starts um, um defense again just killed him against the, the 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 cubs and i know like his first two runs were unearned and i think people go well they were unearned runs 
but there's just so many extra pitches he has to throw. I mean, that yeah. he just completely throws off his, his start. It just and the guy just get get good defense behind him and, and just just that one life that's right, man, against the Cardinals, that would be the team to do it. Yeah, I've 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 played with some guys, several guys actually have made a statement that if a pitcher is really good, gets a lot of swings and misses, it's really hard to play defense behind them because you get so many awkward balls that are hit off the bat. Some like, you know, cute off the bat, you get crazy rolls, you get, you know, them reaching out for, for balls and putting them in play somehow. And you're just not making routine plays. You're having to make something that you don't normally make. And for somebody like, you know, like Suarez who's out of position whenever he was playing short, that makes it that much harder. And it was just, I always thought that was interesting. I never thought of it like, you know, somebody like Castillo who's get so many, soft hit balls off of his changeup that makes it tough i almost kind of feel like and i'm not comparing them as people so please you know if anyone listens to this this is not what i'm saying and you know i like to compare like the early decade reds but from last month because that those teams were so fun but 2012 those first two months where matt latos really struggled do you remember those when it's like he couldn't get into like a sixth inning and if he did he had a blow up inning it almost kind of feels like luis castillo kind of had a little bit of that going and if you remember from, like, June on, Latos was, like, incredible. He was so good. And I almost kind of feel like that's coming for him, for Luis Castillo, that is. Like, it just kind of feels like, like you said, Nick, like, the softball race is kind of going is going up more and more. And he's kind of, you know, he had that 10 strikeout game against the Giants. And I really, you know, was it last week? He was doing really well until he had one inning that got away from him. Um, so, I almost, you know, again – I'm not comparing Matt Latos and Luis Castillo as humans. We're very well aware they are not the they are not good, they are not the same human by any means. But, and I think Luis Castillo definitely is is a is a more talented pitcher career wise for sure. But, um, I kind of just feel like this is where Luis Castillo is heading, and I think it's going to be something where, you know, maybe the ERA won't look pretty for another couple months, maybe for another month or so. But it's coming. You know, it's going to be it's coming around. That's a great comp, Tim. Yeah, Luis, uh, Matt Latos might literally be my least favorite red in, in team history. Um, but Matt Latos, the, to your point, uh, June 18th, June 18th, so we're, that's still 16 days from now. Matt Latos had a 5.20 ERA, um, and then he completely carried the Reds. Not that they really even needed it because they, they easily. But he, I mean, he just dominated the rest of that, se- that season. Um, outside of um, one start, Matt Latos, talk about the oh boy. whatever pe- people ask me all the time, like, you know, how many great players did you play with that never made it? Like, a lot, and the reason why is because of their work ethic and what they did off the field and what they ate, what they put in their body, all that kind of stuff, and. That was him because I saw him and, and I played. I was teammates with him in Double A back uh, here in San Antonio. Actually, after I got sent down, it was two thousand nine, I believe. And you know, I had him and Kluber on the same team. Um, Latos was nasty, like in the Texas League. I mean, he was he was nasty. I was like, holy cow, this kid! But then, like, I kept seeing him, like going out coming home late like you know when we're on the road i'm like what is he what are you doing man stop it you're like you're literally throwing away millions of dollars with 
what you're doing. Like he was just, he could have been so good. He had really good stuff, a tall and an awkward arm angle. But it is what it is. That's enough of Matt Lighto's. Sorry. I mean, one of the better Reg trades in the last, you know, 10 years is getting Disco for him. Like, let's call it what it is. Well, I mean, they made a great trade to get him, too. Yeah. They, what did they give up to get him? Uh, they did give up, yes, money, Grandal, but, but Grandal never materialized until his time with the Reds would have been done. So, uh, Grandal, Volquez, Boxberger. And Yonder Alonso. Yeah, Yonder Alonso. I mean, Yonder Alonso was, I think, probably the the biggest piece of that trade, you know? Because yeah. you remember um, when he came up at 11, they were like, should they sign Votto or keep Alonso? And we were like... <laughs> the, the, there was talk of moving Votto to left field to accommodate Alonso. <laughs> I remember that. You want to talk about maybe the worst aging conversation of all time um, um yeah okay so I, I got i got a stat for you because you got me on this 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 latos train so this is this is through through june 18th so again we're 16 days further than we are now that season latos had a 5.2 oera yes he was 7.22 but but the fielding independent pitching so taking away the defense what you've actually earned. Castillo's at 4.77 right now. Latos was at 5.00. So again, I mean, that's just, it turned around in a hurry. Um, you know, I, I think Luis Castillo is going to have a monster second half. I didn't it, you know, it just, there's just no reason to think he won't. I, you know, it's not, it's not a um, Wade Miley or hoping he can get, keep it up you know thing this is a guy that that you know honestly up until castillo's last start of last year remember he, he had a pretty mediocre start gave a bunch of runs with the twins i i think he was like in talks of finishing top five in the cy young last year before that yeah um yeah. I mean, his era was was like i think third in the league or something like that um so yeah i just too much talent for, for it not to material yeah I agree. So before we get out of here, um, I did manage to go this whole episode talk about without talking about Jonathan India. So props to Tim. Way to go. Hey, India, India, India's uh, uh, been um, plate discipline. You know, he, he's not hitting for power yet, and but the plate discipline, he, he's got above uh, above eight percent walk rate. I've just been thoroughly impressed with this. Yeah, absolutely. I'll take it. I want to take a second here because, like we said, it is the anniversary of our good friend Carlos Guevara's Major League debut. And he did send us the video today in a text where he had a, a little baby face assassin look going in his <laughs> first debut. So uh, I did congratulate our, on your anniversary already, but kind of wanted to just talk about it real quick. So, you know, take us through a little bit if you want to. If you're not, we'll just end the show here. But your big league debut, you know, getting, you know, being informed you're getting called up. Getting into you know getting your bullpen session and before the you know you're brought into the game, what was all that like for you that day, this day 13 years ago? Um, it was wild because I got called up the day before, and the team was in San Francisco. I was in Portland, and I remember the manager Rick Burleson calling me um, pretty early in the morning to let me know I got called up. I you know kind of thought he was screwing with me because. I hadn't had enough uh, rehab outings yet. 
um, I hadn't completed my schedule for my rehab. And, you know, we kind of had a joke in relationship and I kind of thought he was messing with me. It's like, no, you're going. I'm like, holy shit. I've got to iron my shirt. <laughs> that was the first thing that came to mind. Um, and so, you know, you make the phone calls, let the family know, let my, uh, my fiance at the time, who's not my wife, let her know, hey, get on a, on a plane. We're going to meet the team in San Francisco. Should be there just in case I pitch. Um, so, you know, get on a plane, show up to San Francisco. It was a day game. It was like the fourth inning. And so I show up, so I'm just like rushed automatically. Like somebody's waiting for me at the airport, got my bag. I mean, it was like a scene out of a movie, just rushing me to the entrance to the front gate at, in San Francisco, get out. You know, there's nobody in the locker room. You know, there's clubhouse attendants putting everything away and there's my Jersey hanging there. And I didn't even get like the chance to be like, holy shit, I made it, I'm here, check this out. They're like, all right, get dressed out and go sit next to the pitching coaches on the bench waiting you to to brief you in on, you know, the whatever pitching sequence or kind of how we're attacking hitters. I'm like, okay, so get dressed real quick and I'm out there and, you know, he's like, you know, take a half inning and then come find me. Okay, so I'm just sitting there kind of looking, you know, I knew, I knew the players just through spring training. That's all that I knew them because I had been with the Reds, you know, my entire career until that spring training. So I barely knew them. And it's kind of like, Hey guys, it's me again. <laughs> and so, you know, I get, I talked to the pitching coach for a little bit and then, you know, I think it was a full inning later. Like, you know, our starter was, was doing well. We were winning five to nothing. It was Josh Banks on the mound. He's doing well. Then he walked a guy, gave up a hit, gave up another hit. Bases are loaded, and, you know, there was no bullpen in San Francisco yet, so we're all on the bench. And they're like, Guevara, go get loose. I'm like, what? I just got here. You're I'm getting like, loose on the field. like I'm like, oh, shit. So, like, I walked down there to the, to the bullpen, and the funny thing is it happened to, happened to be gay appreciation weekend in San Francisco. And so, like – whatever I'm sitting there like I'm warming up and these guys just start screwing with me like they know they can see like I'm not offended by like I don't care like I'm I'm like I'm trying to focus my first big league outing I'm trying to warm up and these guys are telling me how nice my ass looks in my pants I'm like you sons of bitches you don't understand what's going through my head right now just give me some time (laughs) but luckily he got out of it um I think he gave up maybe one or two runs and and then they, you know, at the end they brought it into the back end of the bullpen since we were, they were only up by three runs. Um, but then we go over to San Diego the next day, and it was just, you know, my parents came. I saw them at the hotel. That was a really special moment. You know, uh, my dad's more of the, the quiet type. And so we basically just saw each other and, like, hugged and held on tight to each other, something I'll never forget. It was just like, you know, we made it. It wasn't that I made it. It was that we made it, you know all the sacrifices and everything that, you know, everybody did for me. It was just like all in that hug, like, like we did it, we made it, we're here. And then, you know, I I couldn't tell you that I remember the outing. Um, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was nervous while I was pitching. I just remember it being over and I'm like walking back to the dugout because I struck out uh, Fukudome for the third out. I'm walking back and I couldn't really feel my feet. I'm like, don't trip, don't trip, don't trip. <laughs> and then, so that kind of sums it up. Trevor Hoffman and Keith Pelt were in that bullpen? Yeah. 
Wow, that's uh, pretty awesome. Those are two, two of the better relievers over the last, you know, couple of decades. Yeah, our lifetime. At least. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching two legit closers. Yeah, a couple of days later, I think Trevor had a had a close situation, and that was. And I still get chills on my forearm and my arms, like just thinking about it, how the crowd reacted. It was hell's bells came on. It was, it was special. Well, like I talk with you quite a bit in our text messages and stuff like, you know, your tenure, obviously like in that little bit of time that you were in the majors, like you pitched in a lot of cool ass places. Like you got to do a lot of cool shit. Like I joke all the time, like you pitched the Yankee stadium. Like that's pretty cool, man. Like yeah, not many people could say like I pitched at Yankee stadium and you're someone who can. So yeah, that was fun. Was Greg Maddox on the roster? Oh, yeah. Mad Dog is there. I got some stories I can share off the air. <laughs> so, I mean, PV, Maddox, Chris Young, who was really, really good for a long such time. Such a cool guy. Randy Wolf. I mean, Tony that's Clark. an incredible pitching staff. Yeah, Randy Wolf was so funny. Not not the 2021 Reds bullpen. Not, little, no, little, not little, so much. A little better. <laughs> not so much. Well, that's awesome, man. Thanks for sharing that with us. I knew it was when you said that to us today. I was like, well, I got to ask him about it on the show tonight. So, uh, yeah, man, that's great. So, uh, let's go ahead and we're going to wrap this episode up of Late Night Reds Talk. Um, this is a good one. I, I really enjoyed doing this one. I needed this to get, get back with you guys. I'm so excited to be back. I got one of these now, like you guys. So, yeah. I'm in. Legend. Yeah. Pretty exciting. Um, so we're going to go ahead and wrap, get it out of here. We'll be back next week and uh, hopefully talk about a nice uh, series against the, against the Redbirds, getting ready for uh, game three of the Brewers. So everyone, thanks again. Have a great night. Thanks to Ben Verlander. That was incredible. So take it easy, everyone. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.